When God works, it's thunderously loud. That's the point. When he moves, lives are altered forever. Do you know this, God? Amen. Well, it's great to be here worshiping with you. It's great to be celebrating Jesus Christ. So whether you're joining us here in person or online, man, we are here to continue to celebrate the awesome one whose name is Jesus Christ. It is all about Jesus. And all of God's people said, man, we just got to keep saying that over and over and over. I'm just telling you too many churches rally together where they make it all about some connection with others, which is great. Nothing wrong with relationship. But ultimately, as we gather as a church, it is that Jesus Christ gets all the glory. Cannot say that big enough. Cannot say that loud enough. So as we are jumping into this series, we're continuing now in a series called Abide. And we're talking about life with that Christ, knowing the one who is so worthy. Life with Jesus on a daily basis, on a regular basis. And we're walking through the commands that are found within the Gospel of John. There's seven times where Jesus talks about the phrase, follow me, follow me. And so we're looking at each one of those follow me commands and learning what it is to abide with him, our Savior, our King, the Lamb of God, the one who has died for us and has risen again. His name is Jesus. Everybody say Jesus. Jesus. That's why we're here, right? May we learn to abide with him. And so our challenge today is to follow the one who is so servant-hearted, to follow the one who lays it on the line. May we, like him, serve him. May he get all the glory, all right? So turn with me, if you will, to John chapter 12, starting in verse 20. John 12, starting in verse 20, and we're going to be going after the next in the series here. Point number one, follow Jesus, your amazing, sacrificial Messiah. Follow Jesus, your amazing, sacrificial Messiah. So as we get going, we'll just start reading in verse 20 of chapter 12. It says, now among those who went up to worship at the feast were some Greeks. So these came to Philip, who was from Bethsaida to Galilee, and asked him, sir, we wish to see Jesus. Philip went and told Andrew. Andrew and Philip went and told Jesus. And Jesus answered them, the hour has come for the Son of Man to be glorified. Let's just hold right there. So he starts out, now, among those who went up to worship at the feast were some Greeks, right? And uh, read that carefully. It does not say, now, some went up who were geeks. does not say that, right? Greeks, right? This is a big deal. This is people who were not Jews. This is people who were living in the area of Israel, but they were trying to figure out what was going on. And it says they came up to worship. What feast was going on? Well, whenever we jump into a passage, always good to make sure we understand what the context is, right? And so we have right now the feast of Passover that's launching. Have you noticed how all of these follow me's are landing on different feasts, right? So the feast of Passover is in the springtime. This is three years into the ministry of Jesus Christ. 
This is him declaring in so many different ways. This is miracles of healing and powerful statements being made about hope and life eternal with him and Christ celebrating all that God is going to be doing and bringing massive miracles to the table. Three years into that ministry, we're on the back end now, we're in the feast of Passover. This is the exact same week that he ends up coming down the Mount of Olives and there's everybody with the palm branches saying, Hosanna, Blessed be the one who comes in the name of the Lord. We're in that week, the week where they think maybe he is the Messiah, where they're like, okay, we'll, we'll call him king, and this is it. As we declare that out, he's going to take over as king of Israel, and everything is going to get phenomenally better. They were looking for a Messiah who would rule as king, and trust me, they have the right guy. Wrong time frame, right guy. Like that is going to come massively in the future and Christ, yes, ruling spiritually now because of the cross and in the future, he will rule physically in this world as Messiah, Savior, King. And all of God's people said, and they were looking for that back then, and they were missing on the timing because first he had to serve by going to the cross. And so that's what's going on. We're in the middle of the Feast of Passover, tail end of Christ's ministry, people misunderstanding who he is, hoping this is king. It says among them were some uh, Greeks, some people who were looking towards Yahweh, trying to figure out what was true about all of this, even coming to the temple area, which is a big deal. Because as Greeks, as Gentiles, when you come to the temple, there's this big outer court that's actually called the court of the Gentiles. They could hang out there but they could not even go into the court of the women. They certainly couldn't go into the court of the priests and definitely not into the temple. They were kept out of so many areas, but they came nonetheless. They're coming to worship. They're coming to figure it out. And they're saying, hey, we've got some questions. So these came to Philip, who was from Bethsaida in Galilee. Why come to Philip? Well, Philip is living in their hometown. Bethsaida was actually a town that was on the kind of the Greek side. It was called the Decapolis. It was an area just up around the Sea of Galilee over on the other side where a lot of Gentiles lived. And these Gentiles probably were aware of Philip, maybe even knew him personally. We're not sure the connection, but for sure they came from a similar small town and were aware of him. So they came and they found Philip. And they're like, hey, we've got some questions for this guy. Let's see if we, he'll answer them. They asked him and they said, sir, notice how respectful. Sir, we wish to see Jesus. Their request is, could we get some special alone time with the one who is called Jesus, the Messiah? Can we meet with this one? Now, they're saying we wish to see him, but this is a word that's used there that means like in a way where you're drawing in, there is deep understanding. There's a lot of insight. Like they're not talking about, yeah, there he is over there. Okay, you saw him. Like not that. This is like spend time with. Like if you were saying, hey, I'd like to see the doctor and he's like, well, he's right over there. Okay, there you go. You saw him. Like, that's not the point, right? I want to sit down with the doctor. I want him to spend time with me. I want him to figure out some of what's going on in my life, and that's what's going on. They're like, hey, we want to see Jesus. We've got questions we'd love to spend time with. And uh, Philip went and told Andrew, and Andrew and Philip went and told Jesus. So remember, we're about three years in, and things are starting to really heat 
up. And, and there's a lot of people that were looking to try to see Jesus. And more than likely, the disciples had started to run kind of a little management structure, right? And so whenever Jesus was kind of being addressed or looked for, they would say, hang on, and they would sort of set the line up. They would get people there. They would get with Jesus and say, hey, what time frame works for you? How do you want us to handle? And they would sort of direct and correct, trying to keep people back a little to allow it to be structured and flowing. His ministry was getting fairly public in different places. And so they were playing a role here, the same role they did in other spots within Scripture. And so they come and they're like, how do you want us to handle this? Like, which way do you want? There's some people, and as soon as they come, you know it's going to start these others come in. And how do you want us to, maybe we shouldn't even, these aren't Jewish people. Maybe we should just keep them away. What do you think? What do you want us to do? And so Philip and Andrew come to Jesus and Jesus said to them, the hour has come for the Son of Man to be glorified. Now, you and I read that, and we can read that quickly and just sort of skid past. But I'm just telling you, this was thunderous to the ears of Philip and Andrew. Because all they've heard is the hour has not, everybody say not. That's all they've heard so far, has not yet come. The hour is not here. Hang on, not yet. Other things getting set up. They come and they're like, okay, there's some Greeks. What do you want us to do? We can kind of push them away, give you a little side second with them. I know it's not yet the time. And Jesus says, the hour has come. What? Did you just say has come? He's like, it is time for the Son of Man to be glorified. It's time for me to be lifted up, to be praised and honored. The hour, like the time that God has planned out, God the Father's plan. Everybody say, God has a plan. He's like, that hour, the one that God has planned for the Son of Man. Everybody say, that's Jesus. Like God's plan for Jesus to be glorified, to be honored, to be lifted up, to be celebrated, to be shown off. It's time for the King of the universe who stepped into this world so humbly to be raised up above all. It's time. And Jesus then answered, truly, truly, I say to you, just so you know, every time you hear Jesus say that, that's like saying, illustration time coming, right? Every time Jesus, truly, truly, I say to you, he's about ready to go into some deep insight. There's going to be an illustration attached to it. And so as he's like, truly, truly, I say, they're like, get ready for a story that has a lot of meaning. And Jesus says, unless a grain of wheat falls into the earth and dies, it remains alone. But if it dies, it bears much fruit. Unless a grain of wheat basically gets buried in the ground. He's like, look, if you're holding a living seed, you have one. But if you take the seed and you bury it in the ground and you let it pass along that strength, that energy, if that seed dies and passes along, you get a harvest of wheat. That is where we're headed. He's like, the Son of Man is getting ready to be glorified. If you're like following along, he's saying, listen, there's a grain of wheat that's going to be planted and a harvest is coming from it. Jesus is the grain of wheat. He's the one being buried. He's the one who's dying for the harvest to come. It's Jesus. Everybody say, it's Jesus. 
Yeah, and he's like, just so we're clear, there's going to be the Son of Man being glorified. There has to be one who is sacrificing, and may we learn from that. And just so we're super clear, we're being called to follow this one who is so sacrificial. And how do I sacrifice like that? How can I think of handing my life over to the Lord that a harvest can be grown up? He says, whoever loves his life loses it, and whoever hates his life in this world will keep it for eternal life. Whoever loves his life, this is quite the contradiction, right? This is not what the world thinks. World's thought, whoever loves his life is, of course, brilliant. Make it work for you. Right? That's the worldview. And Jesus is like, whoever loves his life will lose it. This is a huge deal. What does it mean to love your life? Well, it means to cherish me, right? It means to make it all about me. It means I'm going to strive for me to get the best that me can get, right? That's loving self. Like, I, I, I'm going to make sure me is put in all the right spots. I'm going to make sure me is cared for in all the right ways. I'm loving me. And he's like, when you make me the ultimate plan, Ultimately, you end up losing life. What's he talking about? Well, man, that's not saved. You're not making it all about Jesus Christ. You're not making it all about loving him. You're making it all about self. And as you lift self up, not saved. Man, eternal life is not in the future. To not be saved, to not be trusting in Jesus, to have that affect my soul, spill up and out into others, loving God and loving others, is a miss. And the end result for me, just living for me, is to lose my life. He's talking about eternally separated from God. He's talking about hell, very specifically. He's like, be careful. Selfishness doesn't get it done. Me world doesn't get it done. He says, but whoever hates his life in this world will keep it for eternal life. Just so we're super clear, we use the word hate in a very different way. All right? So when we talk about the word hate, we talk about this emotion that wells up inside, right? When I say, I just hate that guy, what I'm really saying is I've been hurt by, there's something that happened, I've got this big negative emotional thing inside towards them, right? Hate for us is more of an emotion, but hate in the Jewish culture was much more of an action, it was about what you're doing. It's about how you're taking things in. And to hate your life is to place yourself lower than. To hate your life is to put others up above. To make sure that they're being cared for, that God's getting the glory. Hey, man, I'm just back here. I'm just humbling myself. And whatever happens, I'm making sure this is all getting. You're lifting others up, not self. That's what it means to put you at the back of the line and to care for others along the way. He's like, whoever does this will keep it for eternal life. Man, that's the heart of our God. He is humble. He is submissive. He lays himself down for others. Man, do you know that God? He's like, I'm just telling you, if you know me, my heart is going to be filling up your heart. You are going to spill over with a love. You are going to know me and you're going to act like me. You're going to step back 
and you're going to lift others up. You're going to lift your God up. Your life will be the last thing you think about. Others around you is what it's going to be all about. That's what saved is going to end up doing to your soul. It's going to affect you in deep, deep ways and take away the selfishness. Ready? And all of God's people said, Dude, this is a huge call out. This Christ is like, just so you know, my model is going to be all about selflessness, not selfishness. That's what we're going after. He says, if anyone serves me, he must follow me. He's talking to his disciples and he's like, look, if you want to say you're serving, you're going to have to follow. It's going to be the same for you. What I just said, I'm going after, you're going to need to go after. Humble, servant-oriented, lay yourself down. He says, where I am, there will my servant be also. I am headed to self-sacrifice to the max. Come join me. I am your God. I am the Messiah Savior. I am dying for you and rising again. Get ready to lay your life down. And this is a massive call out. He says, if anyone serves me, the Father will honor him. Don't worry about you, you're covered. God the Father's got it. Our call is to make sure that Jesus Christ gets all the glory. We care for those around us. We lay ourselves down. We set ourselves at the back. We let God manage what God sees fit. May he get all the glory. Ready? And all of God's people said, Amen. this is a huge call. This is a massive call out in the follow me call. This is the follow me to the back of the line. That's what this call is. May he get all the glory. He says, if anyone serves me, if we follow him, if we're following him to the back of the line, I'm just telling you the world gets this so backwards. So with a lot of O's after it, right? So backwards. Say it with me. So backwards. That's what I'm talking about. Like you cannot miss this as much as the world is missing this. It's amazing how off that every room you enter, make sure they know you're there. That every time you walk into a room or a place, you're trying to sell yourself as the answer to all people's problems. That when you talk to someone, you make sure they know how good you are. That they hear every story through the lens of, oh yeah, did I tell you? And I'm the hero. Like, this is a massive problem. And as the world starts to get used to celebrating self and whatever I want and I don't care what God thinks and this is what I say, all of a sudden we become a world of individualists who are all running after self. The world is going after us selling it that way, but life with Jesus is an absolute paradox, right? It's like, he who loves his life loses it. Like, this is a huge paradox in life. Man, to be exalted, we must serve. That's God's job to do the exalting. We don't exalt ourselves. To be exalted, we get to the back of the line. We care for those around. We serve along the way. Jesus' life of paradox, more than just to be exalted is to serve. To be honored, humble yourself. It isn't about trying to get all the credit. It isn't about trying to get all the appreciation. It isn't about trying to get all the statements of fine whatever and you putting yourself over the top of it. Praise God. Step back. 
may he get all the glory. And I'm just telling you, this is a huge deal. Humble in your walk, not proud. Soft, subservient, willing to step back. May God get all the glory. Are you willing to be that? That's the Christ you're following. To be exalted is to serve. To be honored is to humble yourself. To have life is to be willing to go to death. May Christ get all the glory. We set ourselves down. We let Christ lift us up. We follow him. We humble ourselves. We put ourselves at the foot of the table and we let him raise up in due time. That is a culture that is following Christ. Ready? And all of God's people said. Dude, this is a huge deal. And I just want you to know that uh, we have a number of people that will walk into this church and they have been uh, very strong in living within the the uh, work world, very strong and successful in being able to make things happen in different ways. As they step in, they want to, they see great things happening here, which there is. You guys are awesome. This church is on fire. God's doing huge things. And they're like, I'd love to be a part of it. Let me tell you what I can do for you. I'm just telling you, that's a pretty big tip off right there that there's a little more time going to be needed first, right? But the start of I'm so I've done so. Let me give you my resume. Here's the things that I've accomplished in my life that would help you. And here's my observations that you need to know. And please be careful with that. I'm just telling you, not the heart of Jesus. We move in a whole different way, guys. Just so you know, as leadership, we are always looking for the hearts that are so willing to serve. We are always looking for the ones that are so humbled and willing to step back. For the person where greeting is beneath them, it's going to be a long time until you're leading around here, bro. I'm just telling you, greeting is a phenomenal job. And it is so important to be able to say hello and be kind and be gracious. And if you're like, no, man, I have to be over the top, it's going to be a long time. Come with us. Come serve, come be humble. All of our opportunities all over the place are serving jobs. They're an ability for us to care for others, not care for self. And as we wisely serve into it, man, we can see that people are taking care of others. They're doing well. They're leading even in that humility and servanthood. And that gets raised up a little. And then maybe even a little more. And maybe even a little more. We end up with people who are small group leaders, but they're phenomenal caretakers. They're not people who are demanding control of other people's lives. And all of God's people said, dude, that's a huge deal. Just so you know, we don't raise up people who just want control and power. We're raising up people who know how to keep themselves humble and care for others. May God get all the glory. And ultimately, who ends up being an elder? those who are being great small group leaders, those who are caring for others, those who are leading well in a compassionate, tender way. That's the culture of Jesus Christ. And that's the culture of this church. Man, come join us as we follow him. Come serve humbly, stepping back, inviting yourself to the foot of the table. May Christ get all the glory. Ready? And all of God's people said... So what might that look like in your life? How might you be able to make things maybe slightly more servant-oriented or more humble? Christ, you get more glory, less about me. May we follow the servant leader, Jesus Christ.
That's point number one. Turn with me to point number two. It says, in all you do, seek to glorify the name of the Father. In all you do, seek to glorify the name of the Father. Jesus says, now is my soul troubled, and what shall I say? Father, keep me from this hour, but for this purpose I have come to this hour. This is Jesus talking about getting ready to go to the cross. And if you know the story of the Garden of Gethsemane, this same battle being explored and explained there in that storyline as Jesus is taking a moment to say, Father, take this cup from me. And then he says, but not my will be done. Your will be done. He's explaining here the angst in his soul. He's about ready to carry the sin of the world. He's about ready to carry the rejection massively that he has never experienced before. This is the plan. But as he humbles himself before the Father, he says, look, if anything's changed, here's what I would love, to not have to carry this, and yet it's not about me. Ultimately, it's about the glory of God Almighty, the salvation of the many, I lay myself down. And so he's sharing right here. He's like, my soul is troubled. Remember when it said in the Garden of Gethsemane, praying with sweat that was like drops of blood, so thick, so heavy, as he's dealing with the angst of what he's about to carry. And he says, but what am I going to say? Father, keep this from me. Notice the command form. Like just, I need you to take this away. He's like, I can't do that. There's something bigger going on so I can ask. But ultimately, for this purpose and this hour have I come. And so when it gets meted out, it's, Father, would love for you to take this cup from me. But your will be done. Right? Ultimately, when we are in the face of high struggle and pain, it's the simple battle cry. My God can. My God will. But even if my God doesn't, I will worship him. Man, that's the battle cry statement. Are you in with Jesus Christ and willing to let him move in your life in a massive way? His example for us, he's like, yeah, I will absolutely willingly, everybody say willingly, willingly go to the cross. He loves you and he died for you. And he arose for you. And he is offering life eternal. May he get all the glory. He says, Father, glorify your name. He's like, look, what I want most is for the glory of the almighty God of the universe to be on full tilt display. Remember, we have God the Father, God the Son, who is Jesus, and God the Holy Spirit. And he's like, Father God, long to see them get the whole of who we are. May your glory be put on full display. And uh, he's like, look, I'm not protecting the name of me. I'm protecting your name and your glory. He says, then a voice came from heaven. God the Father speaking, and he says, I have glorified it, and I will glorify it again. I have no idea what that sounded like. Can you imagine God the Father thundering forth and speaking when Jesus says, Father, glorify your name. Out loud, he's praying the prayer, and God the Father answers back. Have you ever had one of those prayer moments? 
this thundering moment, I will glorify mine, and I have glorified my name. This thundering, rumbling statement of authority as God is making it clear, look, I have been working from the beginning in this whole plan. I have salvation in hand. I have walked through and glorified this one who is my son. We are one. And I will glorify him all the way into eternity. He will be king of kings. I am absolutely in charge. Amen, man. Amen. This is our God. He's like, oh yeah, I'm doing that. That's covered. As his voice thundered, said the crowd that stood there heard it and said that it had thundered. Don't think that they're saying, oh, I heard the voice of God and it was thunderously loud. No, they're like, I think that was thunder. Like, have you ever been sitting out in the backyard or something and all of a sudden this big crack of lightning and boom, and it rumbles and the glasses on the table rattle a little bit and, and maybe you're sitting inside and the, you've got the pictures on the wall that go, it was like one of those. They're like, dude, that was some thunder. And the guy next to him goes, Others said it was an angel who spoke to him. No, dude, I think that was an angel booming forth. He was praying, and I think it was an angel. And both of them were wrong. It's God the Father thundering forth his answer and making it absolutely clear. He brings an audible voice and massive authority. Man, as God moves, lives are touched. As God moves, people truly grasp there is a God in this room, and he is at work. May we truly celebrate him. And all of God's people said, amen, man. You know, last week we had baptism services and it was just a powerful day all day long. We ended up having 44 people baptized. Praise God for that, right? Amen. Yeah, 44 people baptized, huge day of testimonies going on. We had a walk-on that came in, sweetheart there as she wanted to go after it. And just a big day to be able to make much of Jesus Christ. All day long, people saying, look, I am already saved. Like I'm believing and following in him. But man, there was a time I had a mess going on in my, and I turned it around. There was a time where my parents shared with me or where life showed me, I need my God. People being so clear about where they were at. So many of them, the testimony. Look, I admitted that I was a sinner. Like I get that, I was wrong. I even believe that Jesus risen from the dead. Sure, he's got authority, great but I was not letting him be in charge of my life. And all of a sudden something happened and I stepped across the line and I confessed him as Lord. I was A and B, now I'm A, B and C, saved, right? And so, so excited to step up for Christ now in baptism. That testimony, thunderously loud, man. God working in so many ways in our people here and across all the services and in the middle of deep, deep heartaches going on, God showing his love and his compassion. You know, this week already, we've already heard of two people who have accepted Christ coming off of last week's baptisms and hearing what God does, amen? Man, man, it's a huge deal. When God works, it's thunderously loud. That's the point. When he moves, lives are altered forever. Do you know this, God? This is our king. May we celebrate him and may we glorify his name with all we've got. Simple challenge. Are you ready in the face of whatever you're looking at to say, my God can, my God will, 
And even if my God doesn't, I will worship him. Father, glorify your name. I'm in with you. What is it you're wrestling with? And just right where you are right now saying, okay, God, I give it to you. You're in charge. I'm trusting you. Huge moment. Lord, may you be glorified in this struggle. I'm in. Point number three, trust. Trust in Jesus as your servant king, the fulfillment of Old Testament prophecy. Trust in Jesus as your servant king, the fulfillment of Old Testament prophecy. Jesus answered, uh, this voice has come for your sake, not for mine. I love that statement. Jesus is like, just so we're clear, there's like two guys who think it's thunder and angels, all right? So like, just so this is really clear, that was for your sake. God the Father, real, auditory, powerful, and in charge. He's making it clear to you. He has it in hand. Jesus saying, this is for you to rock your world. He says, now is the judgment of the world. Now will the ruler of this world be cast out. He's like, listen, I'm going to the cross and the sins of this world are going to be laid on me. I am going to be taking on what will change life for eternity. There is going to be massive victory, judgment poured on me and I'm willing to take it. Sin covered forever salvation will be available. This is a massive moment, he says, and the ruler of this world will be cast out. Satan will no longer have a spiritual domination, sin covered, death being able to be paid for. At the moment of the cross, Christ was saying, as I die and rise again, I'm telling you in that moment, there is spiritual victory over Satan. Hang on. There's going to be a physical victory over Satan that's still to come in the future where he is thrown physically into the lake of fire forever. That's not, everybody say not yet, but spiritual absolute win. Christ takes over at the cross, now offering up eternal life for all who are trusting in him. Man, we have the hope of trusting in the one who is the God of the universe. He's in charge. Hear me. James 4 says, submit yourselves therefore to God. Like recognize he's in charge. Resist the devil and he will flee. Man, don't miss it. Satan is absolutely below the God of the universe. God of the universe creates. Satan is just created. And that's the end of it. No questions asked. God in charge. May we come to the king of the universe and know he has it in hand. Satan is doing all he can to make a mess of it little by little in little ways. And he has already lost at the cross spiritually and he will lose physically. And all of God's people said, Amen. and Jesus Christ in charge. He says, and I, when I am lifted up, will draw all people to myself. He said this to show what kind of death he was going to die. He's like, and I, when I am lifted up, will draw all. Now, in our language, we'd hear that and we're like, you know, when he's shown off, lifted up, right? But that's not what it means. It literally means to be crucified, to be hung on a cross and lifted up. It was sort of a, an idiom. It was a way of saying things. Crucifixion became lifting him up. And he's like, when I get crucified, I'm going to draw all people to myself. Can you imagine how confusing that is? People are like, you're the king. 
you're going to rule. And he's like, well, when I get crucified, what? What are you talking about? The confusion that started to go on in their head is they're like, no, I thought you were Messiah. Like you rule forever. What is this crucifixion talk? And, and then it says, and Jesus will draw all people to himself. How many? All. Don't miss that. Right? This isn't all who would believe. That's not what it says. It says all. Drawing all to himself. So this is an allness of Jesus, a general invite, a broad showing of his love, his glory, his greatness as he lifts it up. This is different than the draw of the Father, right? Whom the Father draws will come, right? When the Father draws will come. Everybody say will. That's a big deal. When the Father draws a different one interacting in salvation. But this is an allness, an invite to all, Right? And that everybody might know of who Jesus is. And this allness of Jesus and him going to the cross, they're deeply confused in the midst of it. And he's like, just hang on. When you see my resurrection, when you see the thundering earthquake, when you see the temple torn from top to bottom, the curtain torn from top to bottom, when you grasp my authority, people are going to get rocked, man. I'm just telling you, the word is going to spread about who I am in this huge moment. And uh, Jesus saying to them that the answer is in this crucifixion. So the crowd answered him, we have heard from the law that the Christ remains forever. How can you say you are the son of man and must be lifted up? Well, who then is the son of man? Dude, this is a pretty legit question. Let's just be fair to them. They're like, wait a minute. I love Messiah, lives forever, reigns forever, like king overall. How do you die? Okay, if you're going to die, then who is the Son of Man? Who is the Messiah? They're asking a pretty legit question. How do I put this all together? And Jesus is like, I am the Son of Man. I am the one who is going to die for you, Isaiah 53. I am the one who's going to rise again, and I am the one who's going to reign over all. They're just missing the death and resurrection part but they're capturing the rule forever. They're missing the victory over sin and victory over death. All they captured was the kingship forever. He is both and. He is Lamb of God, victory over sin and victory over death. He died for me and rose again. He is my hope. And all of God's people said, and he will reign again forever. Hang on. They had the right person. They had the wrong timing on what was going on. Jesus said to them, the light is among you for a little while longer. They're like, what? He's saying, listen, I am the light of the world and I am right here with you. Listen to me and watch me. Be in awe of what I'm doing. I am the light. Everybody say, that's Jesus. Amen. He says, walk while you have the light, lest darkness overtake you. Come along with me. Follow me. Track with me and watch all that I am doing. See me as the light of the world. Show how wrong the world is. The world says make much of you. I'm saying make much of the Father. The world says it's all about you doing too many works to earn your way. But it's not. It's about me dying for you. Follow me. Trust me. He says, the one who walks in the darkness does not know where he is going. Have you ever had one of those moments in your house? Lights are out. You're like groping out to the kitchen to get a drink or you're going to the bathroom and you're like feeling around and you smack a door that's halfway open and right, all that. He's like, that's what you look like, guys. You're groping around in the dark. Live with the one who is the light, 
The one who walks in the darkness doesn't know where he's going. While you have the light, believe in the light that you may become sons of the light. Know me, the one who is the light. Know the one who lives with humility and service and sacrifice. Watch me, follow me, believe in me, and confess me as Lord. Simple question. Do you admit that you're a sinner? Do you get that? I absolutely come far from being perfect. Do you believe that Jesus is risen, he is God Almighty, he's in charge? Do you believe? And all of that's great. Are you ready to take the step across and say, fine, then I confess you as Lord, you're in charge. That and that alone is saved. A belief that moves to action, a trust that moves to following. Are you with your king? May he get all the glory. And all of God's people said, may we serve with the one who is the greatest servant of all. May we worship with all we've got. May God get all the glory. Let's pray. 